Hi, I'm Kevin, and welcome to my podcast, Finding My Freedom, where I talk about my upbringing and the struggles I had with playing music for a living, and then quitting, and then starting back up again. And at the same time, the universe decided it was time for me to wake up. So I thought sharing my story would help me heal. And if any of this resonates, you are not alone. And feel free to uh, drop me an email. So we left off, uh, I was about 18, I believe. And it was mostly about music. But um, the rest of my teen years were pretty typical. Uh, I didn't like high school. And I worked as much as I could so that I could uh, make some money. And um, just play my guitar as much as possible. Um, Mom divorced my stepdad, and when I was just getting ready to graduate high school, the house got foreclosed on, so um, I stayed there for a few months until they did all the paperwork by myself and graduated high school a few months later. And that summer, a buddy of mine um, that I worked with, he was around the same age as me, he was having issues too, so uh, we ended up getting a apartment together. It was me, him, and his sister, and so uh, that I was 18, and we had had a place with a couple roommates, and uh, and it's funny because uh, that would have been what 1990. I read this book. It was a book about shamanism, and honestly, I had no idea what I was about to read. But I really enjoyed it. And um, I remember thinking, man, that would be really cool to be able to live that way. Too bad people don't do it anymore. And then I put the book away, and I never thought about it ever again. (laughs) Now, looking back, I'm realizing there was a lot of stuff I was doing to turn off my intuition or dull it down a little bit. Um, Around... 15, 16, like most high schoolers, I was partying a little bit and uh, found out that the drinking beer and stuff would literally shut shut that part of my brain down. So in some ways I was getting peace, you know, like, um, you know, there was a lot of people that would say that they did that stuff because they um, would get creative and it opened their mind and all that but for me it was the exact opposite how I was creative all my life was just by myself and with nothing then I experimented with drinking and drugs and uh, figured out that it could give me some kind of peace I was also singing and playing in that cover band and it was really easy to have a few beers and be able to relax a little bit and uh, have some fun with it rather than uh, let my brain go into overdrive because I honestly thought there was parts of me that was had OCD. You know, like when I'd wake up every morning with a song in my head, I thought it was me just being overly obsessed, you know, that sort of thing. And there was a background of uh, bipolar and manic depression and uh, generalized anxiety and all that good stuff. So... My mom being in the healthcare field, I really trusted, you know, her opinion on all that stuff. So I just thought there was something wrong with me and um, 
I self-medicated till I was about 30. So I was taking my guitar lessons and um, my guitar teacher thought it'd be a good idea to uh, take theory lessons from a different guy. So I was uh, taking technique lessons, I guess you'd call it, uh, from my favorite guitar teacher and then the other guy I was uh, studying jazz theory with. And honestly, a lot of it was over my head and, um, but you know how if you're just in the environment, things soak in and kind of bleed on you. So it was all good in anyway. That little cover band was playing some pretty cool gigs for us, you know, for being a teenager. We were playing uh, parties and, and the bass player's older brother was getting married. So we played the wedding reception. It was a lot of fun. And at the time, there wasn't any internet, so if you wanted to do anything in music or anything like that, you had to move somewhere. So I was starting to think about where I wanted to move and how things would go, you know. So, well, I was dating this girl, and uh, she was getting pretty serious and uh, wanted to move to Memphis. She had a relative there, and it was an easy move. And I thought that'd be really cool because I love the blues and there's Beale Street there and I really didn't have any interest or plans on following my dad's footsteps and moving to Nashville. None whatsoever. In a lot of ways, I was anti-Nashville. So at 20 years old, me and my girlfriend moved to Millington, Tennessee about 30 miles north of Memphis and I got a job and was uh, working and I was scouring the music stores and just taking the little notes off the walls there and I called a number and uh, one of the guys said hey man you want to come in audition and so I did and uh, I got I got into the band and they were all in their late 20s so they were quite a bit older than me and I thought it was very interesting that the singer played guitar, and then they had a rhythm guitar player, then they had me, and I was going to be the lead player. Now, in the other bands I played in, I was a rhythm player. I didn't really care too much about being a lead player, just because I just wanted to play music. I didn't care what it was. And and then uh, in the cover band, the other guitar player played more of the lead stuff too, so this was my lesson in being a lead player and um i worked hard at it the guys uh built houses for a living and um the other guitar player had his own business and he had uh, the bass player and the singer working for him next thing you know i'm toting wood for him uh too so i had a decent paying job during the day and um was hashing out a lot of southern rock like Marshall Tucker and it was a real big lesson on the Skinnerd stuff and they, the guys were always like we're gonna get some country in you boy you know that sort of thing so it was all in good fun I remember one time we were checking out this new club to play at and we were sitting around and me and the bass player were drinking a little bit and this one older guy sitting at the bar was like Oh, you guys are musicians. I bet you don't work. And da 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 da. And the bass player turned around at him and said, "Let me tell you something. This boy is a hard, hard worker. Not only does he work during the day carrying wood for for the rest of us, but he goes home at night and works on these songs too. So, 
that was a real proud moment for me. Um, it showed that they did have a respect for me, and I had respect for them, obviously. And so it was a really great place to learn, and um, that's when I started making money playing playing guitar. Yeah, I couldn't even drink in the bars yet, but um, the gigs were very, very interesting too. So, like, coming from just doing hodgepodge gigs in friends' backyards and stuff, this was like in clubs. You know, this was clubs, taverns, honky tonks, making about eighty to a hundred bucks a night, and it was incredibly fun. I had so much fun. These people looked. These people look forward to hearing us play, and they would save up and literally go 20, 30 miles out of their way to come see us. The guitar player's wife uh, made up some shirts. It was really cool to see, you know, people with a, our band name on there, with shirts on it, just dancing away all night long. And honestly, they that was uh, right around the time that uh, Billy Ray Cyrus put out Achy Break Your Heart, and so... Most people at the time, if you played Achy Breaky Heart all night long, they didn't really care. <laughs> so, but still, people would see us in the grocery store or at the gas station or whatever, be like, "Hey, you're you playing that band, don't you?" They'd be like, "You're a heck of a picker," and um, it kind of made me feel a little bit like a star, you know, like just on the local level. But it was still really cool. I think she was real homesick and um, a little bit unstable. She checked herself into one of those stress center type things where they keep you for a few days and sort of evaluate you. And uh, she cheated on me in there. (laughs) So we split up, but she wanted to work it out and I didn't at all. So I basically had to pack her stuff up for her and load it up and um, send her on her way. singer was looking for a place too so uh, we rented a trailer and he moved his girlfriend in and I just stayed single and kept working on my stuff and I did that for a couple years and then moved back to Michigan I don't know if I was getting homesick or what but things just weren't gelling anymore and I was ready to go back home so I was 22 years old and back in Adrian Michigan still stayed single I had no interest in having any kids or having a girlfriend. As a matter of fact, there's a few times in my life where I've actually made promises to myself because I felt like I'm the only one in my whole life that's ever kept a promise. So I made a promise to myself when I was in junior high school that if something ever happened and I was to get a girl pregnant, I would stop anything I was doing with music or any of that stuff and my life would be about the child and not about what I was trying to pursue. And I know it had everything to do with uh, my dad leaving. 
So that was the promise, and I was going to keep it no matter what. I, I knew that if that happened, I was keeping that promise. And then there was another one. It happened when I was 16, I believe. One of the neighborhood guys that we used to hang out with, I'd known for, I knew for years and years at the time, was having problems, and uh, he committed suicide. The story was with that was that he OD'd, and they said it wasn't intentional, like he didn't really try to kill himself. He was just trying to get attention because he was hurt pretty bad, I guess. And took too much and died. So this was when I was at his funeral and being a 16-year-old kid staring at a 17-year-old kid in a coffin who was perfectly healthy. He had no reasons to do what he did other than it was just a tough life for him. I said to myself, I said, I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how bad it gets. You will not quit. You will not give up. And there's nothing in this world that's bad enough to end up doing that. You can find help or something somewhere. So that was the second promise I've ever made. And both of those I was able to keep for myself. And um, I meant it. If I would have broke either one of those promises to myself, that would have probably been the end of my self-respect. You know, just the bottom line. It meant that much to me. Well, I was back up in Michigan, and um, my mom was going out a lot, and she heard through the grapevine that uh, one of the local bands was looking for a guitar player, and she got his number, and uh, I gave him a call, and went and auditioned, and I got the gig. So, I was up in Michigan playing in... um, DFWs and small little clubs and uh, Moose Lodge and stuff like that and cut my teeth on some top 40 country stuff and some older country stuff. This was the first time I was around anybody who had any like inkling that they wanted to be a star or something, you know. He'd always be like, hey man, this is the best lineup I've ever had and uh, we're going to take it somewhere and da 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 And it turns out the reason why I get these gigs is because I was willing to sing. A lot of these guys at the time weren't willing to do that. So it was just another tool in the tool belt to help get me going. We were playing just about every weekend. I was a sideman and he was the star, which was wonderful because I am much more comfortable in a supporting role than being out front all the time. So whenever he needed a break because of his voice and this and that, then um, I would sing a song or two. And so that lasted for a couple years. And um, back in 95, they had changed the law to where it was easier to get a student loan. So I actually applied for a student loan and got it. And and then uh, next thing you know, I'm getting ready to go to music school in Minneapolis. A drummer buddy went there. His parents wanted him to go to some kind of college, and he didn't want to go to college, so 
There was a school in Minneapolis that was similar to MI, Musicians Institute, where it's like, you don't have to take all the academic classes. All you do is play your guitar, and that's when I got super, super serious about it, because I was working hard labor, basically, making okay money, but it was hard, hard work. While I was playing in that band, just before I going to school, the singer's stepdaughter came to town from Alabama. And that summer, we hit it off pretty good. Hung out a lot and um, had a lot of fun. The summer ended, she went back down to Alabama, and I still was preparing for school. And the singer said, hey, she's pregnant. And I thought, oh. Quit everything. I'm gonna have to quit it all. But while we had the fling up here, up in Michigan, she had a real serious boyfriend down in Alabama. And it turned out to be his. So it was a pretty scary moment anyway. And the reason why I'm telling you this now is because this comes back into play 20 years down the road, so. I'm setting some of this stuff up so that you get a little bit familiar with it and then I can refer back to it, hopefully. And after that summer, the singer basically stopped all the gigs. So from September to December, I worked two jobs, saved up as much money as I could, lived, went, moved back in with mom, and uh, got ready to move to Minneapolis. January 5th, 1996, I jumped in my car and moved to Minneapolis. They didn't have dorms, but they bought a house and uh, it had a bunch of apartments in it. And so they would put the students up in there. And that's where I moved to. might be a good place to end it this week if you guys have any questions comments or concerns feel free to reach out to me i will gladly contact you back anyway i hope you all have a wonderful week thank you very much for spending a little bit of time with me and i'm looking forward to having you for the next one thank you